All right. I want to do just a little walkthrough of a framework that I got from Mike Maples, a uh, venture capitalist at Floodgate on building breakthrough, excuse me, building breakthrough companies that, that, you know, change the game, uh, not just a company that does something that's already being done a little different, a little more efficiently, but a breakthrough in the way that things are done. And as it relates to the tiny payment economy, and this is really what got me onto tiny payments several years ago. I just kept kind of using this framework led me to the possibility of micro and nano payments as a massive inflection point that means opportunity for breakthrough businesses. So I'm going to kind of lay out the framework, give some examples and apply it just a little bit to the world of tiny payments. And I don't know, maybe I'll inspire some of you to, uh, you know, get started on some uh, building some products. So the basic idea for the basic idea for developing a breakthrough business, um, Mike Maples calls it backcasting. Instead of forecasting, instead of taking what we know today and just assuming it continues into the future, so to speak, you're backcasting. You're starting from a potential future and you're sort of looking back from that. You're like a time traveler coming back to the present and saying, okay, this is where we're going to be in 10 years. Given that, right? Given that, what can I be working on now? What, what can I develop? And so the, the idea of backcasting is you identify an inflection point or multiple inflection points where some trend that is going linear right now is going to hit a curve where it goes exponential. And from that, in those inflection points, you develop insights about what does that mean applied to a specific industry. Um, And from those insights, you look at the inflections, you develop insights based on those, then you get an idea for a company. It's kind of the basic basic model. So, um, and and you're you're kind of looking at, when you look at those, you identify those inflection points, you work backwards from different futures. So you, you can say, okay, here's the projected future that everybody kind of assumes. And then here's um, a possible future. It's a little more radical than that that not many people are thinking of. And then here's a preposterous future that is really crazy, but there's an outside chance it happens. And you can kind of, based on, you know, which of those you feel more comfortable with, you can sort of build, get insights about something you could start building now based on where that future might go. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little bit concrete example to help kind of bring it home. So first in the inf- identifying inflections, there's a couple different kinds of inflections that Mike lays out, um, which are, let me see here, technology inflections. Okay. So that's exponential improvements in the price and or performance of a given technology. Um, examples could be computation power, uh, you know, bandwidth. Um, ability to sequence the human genome. Uh, And then there, so that's technology inflections. There's adoption inflections, accelerating changes in the adoption of a technology. Obviously, smartphones are a great example of this. The incredible exponential increase in the number of people having smartphones in their hand was a major inflection point. And people who saw that early could build some really cool businesses on it. There's regulatory inflections. 
maybe a big regulatory change is coming that will lead to an inflection. So one, one example is uh, a deregulation of, uh, or relaxation of the regulations on interstate telemedicine sessions. It's an example that, that Mike uses here. Um, suddenly that opens up a massive new set of possibilities around medical services. If you believe that change is gonna be permanent, right? Some regulations are harder to, they're in flux, but sometimes there are things, I mean, imagine the end of prohibition. If you saw that coming, okay, this is, a, or, or um, the end of marijuana prohibition. I mean, massive industries, people who were setting themselves up for that, like maybe it had started in one state in Colorado and people who saw the inflection coming of this cascading across other states could set themselves up to benefit from that by building out cannabis businesses. And then there's belief inflections, which is a major sea change in people's belief. Um, and you can see some of these now. I mean, I would say a belief inflection that we are sort of experiencing the early phases of now is the belief that large centralized social media platforms or technology platforms, people believe that they're not good. <clears throat> they don't like them. Now they're still using them because they have all these network effects and things, but it, you can see that belief infection, inflection and that can lead you to some insights about what might be possible, how to tap into that. The fact that five years ago, no one would have cared. They would have not, not had any ideological or belief-based reasons for caring about an alternative to Twitter or YouTube. It would have purely been a competition on the utility of the network effects. Now people have a reason to even suffer a little near-term convenience if their belief that we should have an alternative to these is strong enough. And that's one of those things that is, um, you know, that's changing. Or just people's comfort level. Right, like people's beliefs around, say, Airbnb, the idea the, of the older generation of staying in a stranger's house that you found on the internet, that would not have you know, worked. But because beliefs were changing with a new generation who was more accustomed to interactions online and, and being able to trust the kind of mechanisms for moderating the quality of those experiences, people don't, you know, and getting into an Uber with a stranger. When those first came out, old people were like, that's insane. It will never work. No one wants to get a ride from a stranger. Young people were like, no, I don't believe that. That's the world doesn't work that way anymore. But big belief inflection. Okay, so you can kind of see the, the inflection curve, right? It's like at that hidden, that hidden level where it just looks like this and it hits that point where all of a sudden, boom. And if you can kind of see that coming, um, you can develop some great, some great insights. So a lot of examples, as I mentioned, Moore's Law, Right. You can just you can you can sort of see where computing power is going. Um, you know, people will talk about this with AI's abilities, um, human genome, as I mentioned, cost per sequencing genome, just like uh, adoption of everything from telephones to smartphones to televisions. to you, you see that curve with every one of these new technologies, automobiles. It goes like this and then it hits that boom where now like 80, 90% of the population, it goes from like 10% to 90% in a very short period of time. Um, okay, so identifying some of these inflection points ahead of time and sort of seeing what's coming and thinking about it can give you great insights. For me with tiny payments saying, okay, look, the 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 ability to make instant payments down to hundreds or thousands of a penny 
it was there when Bitcoin was introduced. It was stripped away with some code changes to Bitcoin. Some altcoins came out reintroducing it to varying levels of reliability. Bitcoin Cash forked off as well as Bitcoin SV, bringing it back to the original Bitcoin protocol, that ability. Um, and it's like, it's out there, but very few people know it because nobody in crypto is paying attention to that component of crypto. But it's there. And it's only going to, in my opinion, like the cat's out of the bag. The fact that this is possible is out of the bag. It's in, it's in the wild. And it's in that deceptive mode, uh, as Peter Diamandis might call it. It's, it's, it's in that mode where people don't really notice it's there. And it just looks like this. Nobody's really using tiny payments. There's a couple of apps, whatever. They're not as cool as DeFi or ICOs or NFTs, but it's there. And at some point, it's going to hit that inflection in my mind where all the tooling and all the things that need to get built, there's a lot that needs to get built to open up all these possibilities, but all the pieces are there, even though it hasn't been built yet. And if you can sort of see where it's going, once that happens, the ability to launch and build tiny payment-based business models is going to just be so easy, as easy as spinning up a WordPress blog or whatever, right? That inflection, I think, is, is massive. And so being able to look at that and, and create some insight. So some examples that, that Mike Maples gives are like with Lyft. They identified a couple inflections. They identified a technology inflection improving GPS in smartphones. GPS used to be pretty rough and inaccurate when smartphones first came out, but they were rapidly getting more accurate. And you could see if this continues, it's going to be down to identifying the location of that phone within a few feet. That's a, that's a big deal. So what does that mean, that technological inflection? You add the adoption inflection, the number of people who have a smartphone in their pockets going from 20% in 2010 to 40% in 2012, et cetera, in you know, that growth, well, what does that mean, right? That means a massively, rapidly growing number of people are going to have a GPS that can pinpoint their location instantly um, all the time. And you can sort of gain an insight on there and say, huh, there's some business models here, right? So the sharing economy, Airbnb already existed, but if geolocation is possible down to a very precise level, the sharing economy could follow moving objects. And this is what led them to the idea of ride sharing with an app. Um, they sort of saw it coming. Netflix is a great example too. Hey, look, streaming videos is not currently possible but at the rate technology is progressing, bandwidth is progressing, et cetera, it will be possible. So movies are going to be streamed. Who wants these physical clunky things, discs that can get scratched, et cetera? How could we create a business model today when nobody's thinking about streaming because it's, it's not possible to stream video over the, the internet that will let us seize that, that inflection when it hits? And in Netflix case, they very brilliantly created a DVD by mail and they built this huge monthly subscriber base that, and they had cues of all the movies they want to watch. So they had good data on which movies are popular, what the demand is, all these things. So that as broadband became possible first for their city dwelling customers only, and then increasingly suburban and rural customers, they already had won the market 
And we're able to immediately put Blockbuster and all those people out of business because they could flip all those people to streaming customers once that technology became valuable, possible. So they were already living in that future. They already saw where this was going and they were able to position themselves so that when the technology got fully adopted, maybe some people could stream videos in labs with supercomputers or whatever. But once that was widespread, that adoption inflection and technology inflection, they would be there to clean up, right? So I, I think about I think about kind of where you know where we are with tiny payments. And you kind of look at how that changes the curve of the present, right? People just sort of assume things are going to continue as they do. And more and more things will become, you know, software is eating the world. That's kind of a given now. Everything's become turning into a SaaS product. If it can be, if it can be turned into a monthly subscription-based SaaS product, it will be. Um, you know, if it can be automated through software, it will be. But all of those are assuming kind of the current models of like, monthly lump sum payments, a lot of the current models about teams and employees, a lot of assumptions about the creator economy are very much based on platforms using network effects to capture an entire audience and have somebody completely wedded to that platform, right? We're very much stuck in some of the inflections that I think are sort of like losing steam. The network effects things that made the social media giants the software is eating the world, sort of monthly SaaS products instead of big purchases of costly, you know, uh, cloud computing, right? Sort of outsourcing some of these things. But I think there are some potential curves. There's the, the plausible, which is that continues, but maybe it gets a little bit, some, some tiny payment possibilities change some of those things in some of those niche areas on the margin. There's some cool use cases. Then there's sort of the possible where it spreads even further beyond that. And you know, there's a, a whole breakdown of all of these platforms to where, you know, creators are now getting streaming payments and teams are broken down a little more into people participating for, um, you know, uh, instant micropayment percentages. And then there's sort of the preposterous, which is like a world where everybody has shares in themselves and every project they do, and it's all tokenized and you can sell percentages of revenue shares and there's futures markets. And there's, you know, that, I mean, that's just me spitballing some of these things. That's me looking at what tiny payments make possible and saying, what kind of future might we be living in? And then based on those sort of levels of how radical it could get, what kind of insights are there for what you could start working on now to benefit when that arrives, right? That those unrecognized truths about the future that most people don't see. Like when you think about business models today that exist only because they aren't, haven't been technically capable of making tiny payments, that's a really interesting place to start. And not all of those would be replaced by tiny payments because maybe, you know, they have to do things this way because they can't make tiny payments, but there are other good reasons that they're doing things this way. And maybe even if they could make tiny payments, they wouldn't change, but there are some starting to examine those. Why, why is everything monthly versus um, pay as you go? Is it because it, is it, is it only a technological reason that makes it that way? Or are there other business reasons? And you start looking at every single business that operates that way. Um, why don't companies have internal markets more often for things that they say? I mean, even crazy stuff like, okay, meetings are costly when you work in a company. 
And every time you go on Slack and say, I want to host a meeting, that's costly. Is there a reason that people don't have internal markets with like, where like meeting credits, tokens, or actual money where it's like, okay, you book a meeting and it's for 30 minutes and every minute it goes over, it's charging your monthly meetings account in real time and distributing it to the, to the people who are at that meeting with you. Um, maybe that's a terrible idea, right? But you start to entertain, you start to try to see into the future where the technological hurdles are removed to those tiny payments. What types of things can you start to envision and imagine? And then once you get those insights and you play around with some of those, those lead you to ideas. What can we build to make that possible? What kinds of tooling is needed, right? Like, as I said, there's a lot that needs to be built to bring these things into fruition, but the pieces are all there, right? The core protocol, I mean, start with the, the protocols that currently right now today can do these tiny payments and have never hit a problem with scale and, you know, BSV, for example, and say, okay, what would need to be built in order to make this next level possible? And is there a way that I can start getting my hands dirty with putting that together? Can I be a part of bringing that into, into play, of, of speeding up that inflection point, and of winning when that future gets here? And so it's kind of this unique combination, as Mike Maples puts it, between practitioners and seers, people who are really good at seeing the future. You know, you get a lot of these like thought leader, intellectual, professorial sometimes types or the, um, you know, the futurists or like in the future, we'll all have programmable DNA, blah, blah. They're kind of seers, right? They're imagining, they're looking at current trends or science fiction writers and they're imagining how this might play out if certain trends that are maybe underappreciated continue. But you need practitioners who can take those same, and sometimes they're the same person, take those insights and start to say, okay, what ideas, what concrete things can we build to make that more possible or to win when it inevitably gets here? How can we make bets on multiple futures, right? How can we, okay, we can bet on the curve of the present. Things are going to continue like this. We can bet on that. That's pretty easy. You just do all the conventional stuff in business or whatever, or investing. We can bet on a possible, but a little crazier future or a plausible rather on a possible, a little more crazy and a preposterous future, right? Like um, Maples uses Elon Musk as like betting on the idea that we will colonize Mars is kind of preposterous, but it's kind of interesting too. It's kind of a way to say there could be a lot of different futures and I want to be positioned to not get left behind if these exponential curves really take off in a certain way, if these inflection points, you know, kind of explode. And um, so I think that's, that's kind of in a very quick nutshell. There's some great stuff. Um, I don't know if the book is publicly available or not, but uh, Building Breakthroughs by Mike Maples. And he has a podcast um, called Starting Greatness where he talks a lot about this. Um, working through that framework over the last couple of years as I was really thinking about like my love and interest in the cryptocurrency space and like breaking down what are the attributes, the technological breakthroughs that crypto bring that get me the most excited where I see inflection points. And as I broke down in my last video, I kind of ended up stripping away all these other attributes one by one, not because they're not cool or because I don't think they couldn't have amazing impact, but the idea of it being private, decentralized, government proof, inflation proof, um, decentralized data storage, those all kind of fell away as 
less likely they need too many things to happen. They are maybe oversold, overhyped. There's maybe too many people. That's kind of the inflection of the present now, the curve of the present. People are assuming that those are going to happen and that those are here. And isn't this great? And a lot of those actually aren't, and it's not really true. Um, you know, a lot of people in the NFTs are like, yay, we made digital non-scarce goods scarce. Now I have a, now I have this piece of art is scarce. And it's like, no, it's not scarce. Like that's not what Bitcoin solved. It didn't make non-scarce digital goods scarce. It did create a provable ledger that can show you where bits of data are located at any given time and the sequence of their events. It went from here to here and here to here. And that's, that ledger is provable. So it has like provable like location, so to speak, of a bit of data, but it doesn't make a JPEG scarce, right? Like, so I think a lot of people are operating on, oh, here's where we're going. And I'm like, eh, some of those things, anyway, it's a separate debate, but, but it came down using this framework and thinking through what are the big inflection points, the big breakthroughs that I see coming based on where things are today. And, and micropayments, nanopayments just kept coming back as like, this is like such a sleeper. Here we are, the pieces are there and there's people using it and tinkering it totally under the radar. And this, what this means could be absolutely insane. I mean, it could, re, it could reorganize the internet itself as we know it. If bits of data are tied to bits of exchangeable value, the whole architecture of the internet could be rewritten. The, the, the whole concept of, you know, you pay for, you know, some host pays for something, creates a platform, gives it to users for free, locks them in, sells their data, whatever. It could all be the individual user and every action they engage in has economic value associated with it. And it's like down to the, like decentralized in a truly meaningful way. All of that is possible because of tiny payments. And so I just started working with this framework and that's what got me so excited. And so I think it's a, it's a great time now to do that backcasting, to go explore these possible futures and to say, if this were the case, if it were as easy as it is to sp spin up a WordPress site or a Substack newsletter today, to create a nano payments based app or product or business or service, uh, tokenized revenue stream, all these things I've mentioned. If all those tools were sort of built on top of these basic protocols to where that was easy as you just flipping a switch, what would the world look like? Which industries would that disrupt? And what can I do now? What ideas can I get from those insights to start getting my hands dirty and playing around with it? Um, that really, really excites me. And uh, if I had, if I was more of a graphic-y guy, I would put some of these graphics of the inflection, the curve of the present and the inflection point and all this kind of stuff. But you get the idea. You're smart. If you're watching this video, you're smart. So anyway, uh, I'm excited later this week, I think Friday, I'm going to have a, another video where I'm talking with uh, somebody who is building some tiny payments-based businesses. And we're going to talk about the apps he's built, the experiences and successes and failures he's had, as well as his belief in the value of payment channels as a way to dramatically enhance the capabilities of tiny payments. So look forward to it.